All right. Well, welcome to the Northern Virginia Church of Christ podcast. I'm Matt Fisk here with Angel Vasquez, Paolo Ugolini, and our very, very special guest, Dave Widener. Dave, thank you so much for joining us. My privilege. We, uh, we're, we're so grateful both the, the Wideners came in. The reason we get to, to talk to them is that Robin is the guest speaker at our uh, Nova Church's women's retreat right now. She's out there encouraging and inspiring all the women. But we get to have Dave all to ourselves here and uh, be able to have a great conversation with you about uh, that your areas of expertise. And it, it, it's such an important topic. So your area of expertise is so incredible. You've been around the world speaking to people about purity. And uh, Dave is the leader of the Purity Restored Ministry or mm-hmm. Purity Restored Ministries. And, and have, I've heard you several times over the years at different conferences heard, uh, listened to audio recordings of yep. presentations and different books and different, all sorts of stuff. Your, your insight, your, um, yeah, just your, your faith, your approach has helped so many people has helped me. And uh, we're just really excited to be able to have this conversation. So great to be here. Yeah. So as we start, um, wanted to give you an opportunity to tell us a little bit more about you, yourself, your journey. How did, how did this whole thing start off and where'd you come from? How'd you get here? All right. I like the definition of expert by famous Danish physicist, Niels Bohr. He said an expert is someone who's made every possible mistake that can be made in a specific field of knowledge. And so that is, um, basically we describe our ministry as taking our mess and turning it into our message. Mm. And unfortunately my mess started young, even though I was in a group in a very small rural town. I was exposed to pornography at a young age. And uh, for some reason, it really imprinted me. It really impacted me. And back then, all we had was magazines. There was no internet. There was no, uh, even VCRs had not even been invented at that point. But those magazines just impacted me. And whenever I was exposed to them in the future, it just seemed like I just could not stay away. And then that, of course, led to other sexual sin. And as much as I was trying to get free and asking for help and talking to parents and ministers and making vows and, and doing what I knew, it seemed like I never could break free for any length of time. There'd be a success, but then be a regression. And um, that stayed with me from age maybe 12 or 13. And uh, I thought marriage would fix it. Uh, it didn't. And ultimately, um, 20 years into our marriage, uh, we hit a breaking point where um, after I started being open about it, not hiding it, um, just the damage it was doing to my wife, and she finally hit a point where she just could not uh, continue to live with that constant threat of me coming to her one more time to confess anything uh, from masturbation pornography to uh, adult bookstores, etc. cetera. Um, and so that sent me on a journey, on a journey where I had to beg the Holy Spirit and saying, you know, even though I've got a degree in Bible and I've been in church all these years, 30 years, for some reason, this is evading me. This long-term victory is evading me. And pretty much everybody I knew in the church fellowship I was a part of, um, other people struggled like me, but nobody had really found long-term victory. And so uh, begging the Holy Spirit to show me whatever, I just opened my heart and he started doing it. He started showing me uh, books at times or seminars or, you know, mentors or counselors, whatever. And 
with his help and guidance um, of a variety of things, that's led to a 20-year journey of freedom that um, now we get to share. And, of course, it's also led to a huge evolution in our marriage as well. And, uh, and I say sometimes that, yeah, my addiction inspired multiple books. And so uh, God has got a crazy sense of humor that he will use our worst, our weakest, our most embarrassing um, behaviors, and he'll turn those into something to his, his glory. And he'll use us as a, the worst of sinners, so to speak, to show his unlimited patience. And so that's what I feel like is going on now, that God is using me, us, as people who almost lost our marriage, almost got asked to leave the church, uh, was, was given up on by elders, by counselors who gave up on me. In spite of all that, uh, God, with his incredible grace and mercy, has, um, has worked a miracle. And I just love talking about it and hopefully helping people to avoid mistakes I made. While our marriage survived, our, my soul survived, unfortunately, I've witnessed many marriages that didn't survive and many people who have left the Lord out of frustration, out of shame, because it just seemed like they, this sin dominated them to the point where they just gave up. Wow. Yeah. Your, your mess has truly become your message, which that would look great on a t-shirt, which you should <laughs> look into that. There we go. But uh, no, thank you so much. For merch. <laughs> Fear Restored Ministries merch. We haven't got any. Maybe this could be a start of that. That's what I'm saying. Like that, you could, <laughs> you could definitely do something there. Well, we really appreciate your vulnerability. And I think that it gives so much hope to so many people that just, you know, are, are that they're, they're stuck in the first quarter of your story, mm. that, that, it's just living in shame. Mm. And so uh, you've, you've done so much around the world. One of the really interesting things that's very cool is, is your partnership with your wife, Robin. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, it's, I don't know, rare. It's, it's very cool. Mm. Uh, so if you, would you mind telling us more about that, your partnership with your wife and how you've been able to interact through this? It is somewhat unique as far as we know. Other people who speak on this topic um, the wife may do a cameo appearance of some kind. Right. But Robin and I, we work side by side, and it's pretty much 50-50 when we present together, which is, wow. is unusual. Yeah. But she wasn't really up for it initially. She was kind of like doing her thing with Secure in Heart, her first book, and pretty content with that. And um, what happened was she did a Women's Day for the church in Central Jersey, and in Secure in Heart, it, it references my sexual addiction. and um, the church there, the women there said, we want to hear more about this. We want to meet this guy, Dave. And I wasn't sure mm. they wanted to meet me to, to do me in. You know, oh, no. Kill Bill, kill Dave. I'm not <laughs> sure what their agenda was, but they were like, can you guys come back together? And reluctantly, she said, okay. And that night we spoke. When she spoke to the women, it was men and women separate that night. After she spoke, um, women literally sat in the pew and waited up to two hours just to get time to talk to her, share their stories. And it moved her heart. Wow. And she's like, well, maybe I can do this ministry after all. Maybe, wow. maybe God is calling me to do the purity ministry and not just do the security ministry. And that's where it began. And that was about probably 16 years ago. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, God uh, really had it. She wasn't excited about it. She was not excited about it. Uh, but that's sometimes reluctant. Reluctant servants sometimes is what God 
needs. And yeah, because who decides, like, you know, <laughs> I'm going to do the purity ministry. Yeah. <laughs> not a lot of people standing in line for my job right now. <laughs> really not a big... Uh, I need some people to become successors and so we can, you know, pass this on to the next generation. But yeah, it's, it isn't something you necessarily... When I was in Bible college in Searcy, Arkansas, I wasn't aspiring mm -hmm. to be this this ministry. That wasn't my was farthest from my head. I wanted it to be over, done with, forgotten, and move on. Well, but yeah, I'm curious about that, Dave, because you know certainly your um, the testimony and your story is something that uh, we can all relate to our own version of that and in our own way in terms of this battle. Uh, and uh, you know, um, I know that. Uh, I can think of lots of people that have tried to help other men, other people through purity issues, sexual addiction issues by sharing their testimony, sharing their personal life story. You have obviously elevated that to a ministry, to a formal type of ministry where in a very real strategic organized way, you're going around, you're focusing on this, you're bringing this out, books, materials, lessons, seminars, frameworks. I know you're talking with church leadership groups. Uh, share with me a little bit, um, what was it like, what was that decision to elevate that to a formal ministry? Was there sort of a moment where you decided, hey, this is my calling? Was it more of a, a progressive thing where you realized, boy, this is a need, this is a message that needs to get out, and and let me just do what I can? But but share sure. a little bit about what, what it was like for you personally to elevate that to the kind of formal purity restored ministries that you're doing today. Right. A story I told about being asked to leave the home and and Robin hitting a point where she just could not take this, um, whether it was even just a few times a year, that punch in the gut, she wasn't going to take anymore. I was still working in pharmaceutical sales at the time. Uh, she was doing her business copywriting. Um, so, <coughs> excuse me. Um, so at that point, uh, we were not serving in a full time ministry capacity. Uh, but a few years later, uh, God opened the door for us to go back into ministry and lead the church in Boise, Idaho. And it was a small church, and the agreement was they would allow a certain number of weeks a year that we would travel and continue this ministry while leading the church. But at some point, it became obvious that there was a, it was a divided focus. And uh, Guy Hammond, who leads the Strength and Weakness Ministry, um, when we started the Pure and Simple Conference, uh, he was one of the, the founders of that conference, and he pretty much decided he couldn't lead the Halifax Church in Nova Scotia and do his ministry. And he pretty well challenged us to say, hey, mm. I got a feeling you're probably in the same boat I was in. You might want to consider doing what we did and go full time in that. Mm -hmm. And I think that was, um, there was always uh, a small church. Um, they were having a hard time as, as well as, of having us as kind of being traveling and they were worried that, we might not come back, you know, that this is, there was always a little bit of insecurity. Mm -hmm. They'd had a new minister every two years for 16 years, and mm -hmm. it wasn't ideal for us to be on the road as much as we were. And so that was pulling at our hearts as wanting them to have what they needed. And then, of course, just in the travels, we started realizing how worldwide this issue was and how uh, they needed help in Africa. They needed help, you know, everywhere. And it just became obvious that we needed to give ourselves full time to it. Hmm. And that was seven years. We've been, this is, we're finishing our seventh year as Purity Restored Ministry. Yeah. 
Great. And I appreciate you sharing that. I just wanted to ask a quick question um, before we go on to the next one, which is, was there any reason or insight into why you chose maybe a nonprofit business model versus maybe just have it purity restored as a business? Um, you know, I think we wanted people to be able to donate to it and we wanted people, we wanted to be able to, uh, retain some of our, um, our tax advantages we had. <laughs> so yeah, smart, it was so in smart. terms of in practicalities, uh, those are some things that uh, seem to be the right way to go. And we got some advice about that. And I think, um, we really do see it as a ministry, this, mm. uh, purity restored ministries. We chose that name because we wanted it to be a bigger vision of what we call positive purity. Sometimes uh, because of the new term purity culture and yeah. sometimes because of the shame attached. We were even told by um, some prominent Christian leaders that uh, to take that name, take purity out of our name because it really? has a, a negative connotation. Huh. Yeah. And so um, the name was chosen because we wanted people to understand that uh, purity is not just what you don't do. Mm-hmm. It's not just yeah. getting rid of certain behaviors, but it's it's a legacy. It's 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 a gift that the, the scriptures Let's lose our pure in heart. They go see God. We we call it the seeing God ministry. Mm. We wanted to just take a word that's biblical, yeah, that's positive in the scriptures, and and redeem it, so to speak, in our our present culture, and show people this is not just about changing a behavior. It's about embracing uh, a legacy. It's about embracing a lifestyle. It opens up your eyes, yeah, to God's glory, and hopefully, then even gets to the point where not only do we see God. But we start seeing as God sees. Mm. We see things differently from a worldly point of view. And so those are some of the things that motivate us to go this direction. And, and that vision of taking what is sometimes a, seen as a negative thing and making it back, restoring it to the positive stature that Jesus had for that word. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that so much because especially when talking about this area, it's so much is about don't do this. Mm-hmm. Don't watch that. Mm-hmm. Don't give in to that. Mm-hmm. So much of stay away mm-hmm. from certain things that it can be very negative. Mm-hmm. Uh, groups can be very about just confess all of the wrong things that you did mm-hmm. and not fill up on the positive, on the good, on the um, yeah. restoration and the good things that God has given us. Um, and so I guess I'd like to know how, how did you get to that spot? How did you see that in your own journey? Um, what what made you get to that place mm-hmm. um, versus just maybe staying in the don't do this, don't do that? <laughs> right, yeah. I, I can remember as a teenager, I can remember exactly. I was sitting in East Peoria, Illinois, listening to a lesson and thinking, man, if I could just get my purity straight and if I could stop speeding in my car, I'd be a pretty good guy. I, I would <laughs> I'd be, pretty, be a pretty amazing teenager, <laughs> yeah. you know. I could just get those areas under control. Um, so I, I, I came from that mentality. Um, How's the speeding? <laughs> <laughs> well, Idaho has very high speed limits, so it. We, we, oh, you're we're, perfect. We're, we're in a perfect spot for. We have 80 mile hour speed limit in, the, in Idaho, so it's a perfect spot for me. But you really um, answer the question, but, <laughs> but, but, but I digress. Go all ahead. right. Anyway, but um, uh, I think. It was just what we experienced. We started experiencing um, just having a clean conscience. It's just mm. a crazy blessing when you've had so many years of, of rehearsing your confessions and like, do I confess? Don't I confess? And how do I confess? And yeah. what do I confess? And you're just playing all these mental gymnastics and it just it, it dominates hours and hours of your time. And when you realize 
that your your conscience is clean and you can just be who you are and in the light. Uh, it, this was so freeing, so freeing. And then to actually um, be able to start, because you're not consumed with this shame and guilt, you do start seeing God in mm-hmm. yeah. weird places, sometimes places that are so unusual that my wife won't let me talk about them. But, but still, um, it, it just he just starts showing up places and it just becomes an exciting walk with the Holy Spirit because you're seeing and you're hearing from him in the ways that before were just shrouded or, or muffled because of the shame and, and the guilt you were feeling. Yeah, love that. And so if you, you know, for those who are listening, if you were to summarize maybe the main message of what you are trying to give, you and Robin, in your own ministry, what would you say? What are some of the main points, the key items that you're trying to have people take away? Well, I mean, there's several, but I think um, one of the things we really focus on is the release from shame. Hmm. You know, we'd like to get across to everybody who does or who does not necessarily struggle with this sin is that all of us have attachments, all of us have entanglements, and that purity is a, the katharos, the Greek word for being pure that Jesus uses, means free from entanglements, mm-hmm. free from adhesions. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we'd love to see a culture develop in the church where everybody knows that they have their own adhesions. Yeah. Everybody knows they have an attachment. Everybody knows they have even an addiction. Mm-hmm. And we kind of level the ground so we can all just get honest and humble, and we take away the, the stigma of that sexual addiction seems to have over other other sins. Yeah. And so, uh, in an ideal culture in the church, people could be free, be honest, and and be real. Mm. And others would say, you know, I get it because I've got my struggle too. And we're all together trying to remove these adhesions, these things that stick to us. I think of like a, like a Velcro. And how they would restrict motion. Yeah. And ultimately, these adhesions restrict our ability to love. Mm-hmm. And that God wants to free us from these, not so we can boast about, I've got this many years of, of sobriety or whatever, but ultimately, the freedom then allows us to love because we don't have this conscience that's bothering us. We don't have yeah. these things that are constantly uh, holding us back. The, the accuser is always trying to tell us we're not worthy, we're unlovable, and we can silence, you know, scorn the shame, mm. and it, it really freezes up to love and develop a culture of love and acceptance that we all desperately need. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's great. I love, I love the way that you um, are attaching the topic even to just really deeper core heart things, deeper core gospel things about love, about coming into the light, and so on and so forth. Um, and as you're carrying this message around to all these different churches and all these different places and internationally, and I'm, uh, I'm sure your audiences are, there's young people, there's old people. Uh, do you feel like churches are getting it? What, what is your sense? Do you feel like there's a, a sense uh, amongst Christians and within Christianity that uh, a realization of just how big a fight this is, just how big a battle this is, and just how deeply these sorts of things are tied to some of the core things that we really need to be doing and working on as, as a church? Um, I'd say old habits die hard, mm-hmm. but I do see hope. Um, Tim Summerlin and his ministry, um, Disciples in Motion, uh, he's kind of another pioneer in trying to help people understand that, that all of us have stuff 
Mm -hmm. uh, Guy Hammond has been a pioneer yeah. uh, in this way. And so we see other, uh, one time going to see a counselor of any kind was kind of frowned upon. It was yeah, kind of yeah. scorned, like, you know, why would you need to see a counselor? Isn't that worldly wisdom? Yeah. I think that has changed in our culture where it's, it's, it's cool now to get help with trauma, grief recovery. Sure. I see a gradual evolution to more and more emotional health. Mm -hmm. We're talking about we even going through the book on emotional healthy leadership or mostly health, mostly healthy Christians. I think that's shifting. Some things, some paradigms are really slow to shift. Mm -hmm. Things like, oh, the brothers just talk to the brothers and women just talk to women and mm -hmm. men don't confess this to their wives. We're, we're trying hard to, to knock that lie out of the park because mm -hmm. it's, it's not really, it's wrong on so many levels biblically. Mm -hmm. Some of those things are, are lingering. Um, like a bad odor that just won't go away. Um, and, but with the, the younger generation, I think there's a lot of hope, but I think in general, the whole, the whole openness to um, brain science and then yeah. not be afraid yeah. of it, that actually yeah. yep. the Bible, uh, brain science is just confirming biblical principle. It's not competing most yeah. of the time. Right. Um, you know, we're really trying to open up that to where we're not, and what we have been confronted times like, well, you didn't use enough scriptures, you know, you, you sure, know and yeah. that yeah. people get nervous about these things. I think that's becoming less and less. It is definitely a process. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I had a question, because you, you, you talk about we all have, we all have adhesions, we all have mm -hmm. things. And I'm wondering, though, what, what so maybe, the, maybe it's not unique, but why is it that, that sexual adhesions or whatever seem for so many people, it's so difficult to get out of it? And, and like we've both probably seen and, and you know, experienced people that are just incredible people, mm -hmm. people that are incredibly godly doing, it seems like everything right, but can't get out of this, can't get out of their sexual impurity. So I don't know if you have any insights into that. Yeah, I, I, a couple of thoughts. Um, one of the things is there's a lot of similarities between sexual addiction and drug addiction. Mm -hmm. uh, the difference is you have to go out and buy cocaine or heroin and, and, and break the law and, and you know, yeah. come to money. Yeah. We have dopamine in our, in our body. Yeah. We have the drugs already stored within us. We, we carry around the drugs in us that provide the rush, the, the thrill. And so um, that makes it challenging. Mm. It's challenging because Satan takes what are good desires, natural desires, and he twists them and perverts them. Uh, a big breakthrough in my understanding myself is a book by Harry Schomburg called False Intimacy. Hmm. And it really identified that <clears throat> what I was longing for when I was looking at pornography or getting involved in sexual sin, I was longing for acceptance. Yeah. I was longing mm -hmm. for uh, affirmation, mm -hmm. which are, are godly things to have. Mm -hmm. um, but Satan was offering a false intimacy, something that was mm -hmm. similar it was so damaging and so detrimental. It's interesting how uh, Satan's number is 666, where God's number would be 777. Mm -hmm. Well, it's evil because it's, it's got that similarity. It's almost a seven, so it can look very attractive. Yeah. It can look very enticing, mm -hmm. but it's, it's lower. Just one less. Just one yeah. less. <laughs> but that one less makes a huge it's difference yeah. in, in what glorifying God or destroying our faith in God. And so because uh, it's a natural, it's like 
same with diet or eating because you're dealing with something that that is is a natural need and so um we're doing a drug isn't necessarily a natural need mm. um being accepted being affirmed is just like eating we need we these are things that we need we were created wired there's a book out called wired for intimacy mm. this was god's god is relational and he wants us to share in his nature of relationship so this is something we what we need and so for that reason the lines are much more blurry and there's satan has a chance to create a false intimacy where he's using a good desire but he's twisting it mm. he's perverting it he's he is con contaminating it yeah and so um those who have suffered from drug addiction and sexual addiction who were interviewed by uh, patrick carnes who's kind of an expert they say overcoming sexual addiction is harder than mm. overcoming a substance abuse that's issue. crazy so that's maybe a little taste of what you're trying to, no. to ask about here i think no absolutely yeah so so in your in your work as you've been doing this for how long now would you say our conference is uh, in its 15th year so um we started beginning to help lead groups etc probably about 17 years ago yeah so in 15 years um 15 years plus uh, there's, I guess there's two parts. One, what is, what is most surprised you in your work? Uh, things that like, oh, I didn't realize that this was going to be such a, a game changer. Mm -hmm. And then the, the other thing is what, what's changed over time? What's, what's become more difficult? What's become um, <laughs> easier? What's, you know, so how have things changed since you've been in this? Um, <laughs> interesting. Maybe uh, one thing that uh, sadly has not changed. Mm. We kind of thought, when we show the numbers out there of how many Christians are struggling with this, you know, and I surveyed the campus ministry, uh, ICMC men, about 700 men. Guys, it's one of the, when the ICMC was in Virginia beach, so it had to be, I took that know, survey. Yeah. You know, it, it was, it was, you know, about 15 years ago, probably at that time, this is when smartphones were just coming out. Mm -hmm. We were still just barely into the smartphone era. It was just right there at that, turning point when we were going from dumb phones to smartphones even at that point without the smartphones the number of campus men that were struggling and saying they had some kind of relationship with pornography was in the 80th percentile mm. okay wow and so um i would have thought that my phone would be ringing off the hook the church leaders saying we've got to do something this is this is hardening our hearts this is impacting our young people this is taking people out of the church, out of the ministry, that this we've, this is a, a, a four alarm fire that we need to get on this. It hasn't been the case. Mm. A lot of times I have to weasel my way onto programs and work my <laughs> way in to appointments because there's been, they're just, well, we gotta, we've got people, we've got to grow the church, we've got to, you know, get our member, you know, whatever. There's always something else that mm. seems to be more important than yeah. this. So that, that was kind of uh, shocking and disappointing just how that we haven't changed that paradigm hmm. in most churches yet it's it's not we want to throw oh we had the wideners in so we got that take check that box mm, that yeah very few churches have been willing to invest in a, a long-term strategy hmm. to deal with what charles yeah. swindoll has said is the greatest cancer in the church today oh wow um and so that's been surprising hmm. disappointment disappointing and um perplexing at times but uh the the people that do break free, the marriages that are saved, those 
those stories keep me going. Yeah. You know, mm. uh, and it, it's, it's, mm. there are people, I was in New Jersey last week at a teacher's conference and a guy came up and he had the old um, CD series, the Pure and Heart CD series that came out um, right about the time we were in New Jersey. Uh, when the event where I told you where Robin spoke for the first time and, um, and listened to those things over and over again. He said, listen, I'm, I've got two years of, of freedom. And it's because I listened to those messages over and over again. Yeah. It's like, oh, just that, that'll wow. keep me going for weeks and months just to hear yeah. one upcoming teacher in the church that this may have saved his, his ministry, may have saved his soul. Because, um, and the people that yeah. have broken free, they hug me the same way the people I baptize hug me. They, it's, oh. the, the gratitude and the appreciation they have is enough. Um, popularity, who cares? Those stories keep you going. Yeah. So it's been surprising. Uh, that's been surprising. Um, but it's been encouraging in that God um, used those CD. That, those are recorded in my basement. I had to turn the furnace off. I had no <laughs> editing. I had no editing. So if I messed up, I had to start over again and, and redo it. Oh, no. And my notes were laid out on my chest everywhere else. I mean, was, Matt, did you turn the furnace off? Yeah, it was like <laughs> there was, it, you know, there was there were microphone pops on there, and it's amazing how God is so much bigger than my professionalism, and yeah. He's used those uh, around the world, and it was done in weakness. Mm. Uh, that's been the most the most encouraging yeah. thing is that God is, works through weakness, and He's He's glorified in weakness, and uh, we don't have to do everything right um, for God to use us. Yeah. So, Dave, let me. Um, <clears throat> You know, you're sharing about how inspired you are by these stories of change, you know, and it's it's these individual testimonies that really keep you going. Mm -hmm. um, and I can I can totally, totally get that for sure. Uh, you know, I, I feel that in my work as, as a minister mm -hmm. as well, as you think of the individual lives that, that, you know, that are changed. What would you say out there to someone, you know, maybe even listening to this podcast, they know this is an issue in their life. Right deep down, they know that there's there's purity struggles, challenges. It's not really something that where they have leaned into that battle, though. It's not really something where they've opened up about. They're thinking about it, but they're on the fence. There's like you said, there's that blockade of shame, or there's not really the connection there. There's there, there's the worry. They right they're they're sort of in that fight internally. But what do you say to someone like that? What would you say to a man like that? Just try to. Try to help them to get to get to nudge to that next level to really lean into the fight of openness to really lean into that fight to restore purity. Uh -huh. One thing I'd tell them because this happened even uh, last year, uh, we got a call. It was amazing. We got a call from Atlanta, Georgia. Someone that's not a part of our fellowship. Um, they had been given a copy of Grace Calls. Our book on spiritual spiritual recovery after abandonment, addiction, or abuse. I'd give them to him by somebody in California, like three or four years ago. The person that gave it to him had, had passed away, and uh, they hadn't read the book. Took it in their the bookshelf, and uh, then they found out that there had been adultery in a relationship, and they were at a real breaking point. And she walked up to her bookshelf, and that book was calling her name. Pulled it out, saw my number in the back of the book, and called me. And I said, if you can get to Long Island, New York, we have a conference a week from now where wow. you'll get to meet an amazing group of people who've gone through these kind of things mm -hmm. and you'll find a healthy, shame-free atmosphere to start dealing with this. And they did. They, they dropped everything 
came to Long Island. So I think come to a conference like Pure and Simple mm -hmm. and realize you're not alone. Mm -hmm. Somehow either be in a group or come to a conference because that's one of Satan's biggest tools is isolation. Mm -hmm. Feeling like you're different. You can't talk about this to anybody. Nobody else is going to get it. Find some people who understand it, been through it, come out on the good side or at least in the process of, of coming out on the good side and get some connection with people and realize it's okay. It, it's it's there are people who live through this, and um and they're they're doctors or lawyers. These are people that, that that struggle with this are from all walks of life, and um, ministers even, and that camaraderie was crucial. When I went to a group, um, freedom group in Naperville, Illinois, and I met guys for the first time that actually had years of freedom. It it rocked my world. It's like oh my gosh, this is possible. This is possible, and um. I want to. I want to be in that atmosphere. It was a accepting, loving, affirming atmosphere, and so I think put your foot in the water. The water's warm. There are places where you can um, be accepted and understood. Find one of those places. Definitely would want to read uh, a book like Grace Calls uh, or a book like Pure the Journey and understand understanding some of the basics about um, you know what's going on here. Her stories, and I think that. That fellowship is is crucial because it's really uh, it's a process, and it will you will need like just even staying a Christian encouragement is a big part. Conviction may get you started, but conviction won't sustain you. Mm. You need encouragement to sustain you. You need somebody that you can relate to, and that's why the Bible is so good about telling us stories that include the worst part of David's life and yeah. the worst part of. Of, of Saul's life, True. so yeah. that we have encouragement and hope, and so find find a source of hope and encouragement where you don't feel, um, you know, where the shame is lifted. Yeah, well yeah. Said. I appreciate you bringing up that word hope. I was going to ask, how much of this do you think falls on just believing that it can be overcome? Um, I think about even maybe what you know the the perspective that some people may have is. Well, this is always just going to be there. Mm. You know, I can't, <laughs> it's just going to happen. It's fine. It's almost like what Jesus says, the the poor you always have with you. Mm -hmm. oh, you'll just always have people struggling. And mm. how much of that is an excuse perhaps maybe to not give you a call or, or not mm -hmm. reach out. And um, No, it's it's real. I was with a guy even yesterday who feels very hopeless. And um, I, I would say that, um, um, finding, uh, finding that 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 person is praying and asking God, you know, show me, uh, somewhere. Because I mean, I got to point in disciples at times where I just said, I and I can't, I can't tell you I won't do this again. And I told you that last time, the time before. I'm not going to say that anymore. Yeah. Because I feel like I can't say that because I have no reasonable expectation to believe. It's going to be different this time than last time. I've been doing this for 30 years. So, wow. so I was at yeah. that point, exactly what you're talking about. And I think others are too. And that's why I think one of the things that, um, you know, sometimes I ask myself, why couldn't God have done something earlier to get me free? Because I was trying to get free as a high school student. Couldn't he have delivered me or gotten me the help earlier? Um, I'll, have to test, I'll have to ask him that someday. But I could speculate or I could make up that. Um, he needed somebody that struggled long and hard 
because there's gonna be a lot of people out there that have been 10, 20, 30 years in the battle and losing. Uh, and they need somebody that say, wow, if, if Dave Widener can get pure, this yeah. marriage can be saved. Maybe anybody can. And maybe God wanted me to fill that role. I, yeah, We'll see. But that's, that's one possibility that I, <laughs> I wrestle with in my own mind. Yeah. So Dave, as, a, as the Northern Virginia Church of Christ this, uh, this past year and for all of 2023, and I guess our whole Christian lives, we're, we're trying to bring about a cultural shift or at least a, a cultural strong identity repentance to making sure that the Northern Virginia Church of Christ is, it's all about love, love in, love in word, but also love in deed, love in action. And so we're wondering about what, what is the effect of purity and impurity on an individual's and in a congregation's ability to love? You know, I touched on that just a little bit earlier, but I'm glad you bring this up because it's, it's so important. I think even understanding sin. <laughs> it, uh, in my mind, there's been a shift when I think about the sinless, like in Galatians 5, I think, you know, why did God choose these things? Where did this list come from? Yeah. And I look at it now as God being relational and wanting us to share in his nature, which if you ask people, what is the nature of God? The first thing most people say is God is love. And so we're going to share in God's nature. Um, I believe that list there is because all those sins are relationship killers. Mm. They're love killers. They're things that destroy loving relationships. Um, adultery, sexual sin. Obviously, that's gonna, that destroys relationships. You can read the paper every day and hear about uh, yeah. over and over what's going on in Hollywood or political things or just, you know, it's obvious. It says the sins, sins are obvious, you know. And all those things, if you think of them in a context of a loving relationship, a relationship that's in the light, where there's acceptance, where there's affirmation, where there is this oneness, all those attributes of God, uh, that kind of relationship. I, I love the way Philippians 1 says, I pray that your love may abound more and more. Now, that's a lot of love. Abounding <laughs> is pretty good. Abounding more is even better. Abounding more and more is even better. Yeah. <laughs> in knowledge, and depth of insight. And so as we have groups or one-on-one -on -one, uh, times with an uh, uh, encouragement partner or a check-in partner, whatever you want to call, uh, partner in purity, as we do that and live that life, we get to know each other really well. You know, we talk about things that maybe up to that point we've never talked about before. We identify emotions mm. and for uh, men, who struggle with alexithymia, uh, the inability to put emotions into words, uh, it's a process of learning how to have those emotionally vulnerable conversations, yeah. which ultimately, when you love, you love abounds more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. It says in Philippians, then you'll be able to discern what is best and will be pure and blameless till the day of Christ. Mm. Purity is a byproduct of true intimacy. You replace false intimacy mm. with true intimacy that loving, abounding more and more, um, we'll see that leading to more and more people choosing uh, God's plan, God's standard of love, and not compromising with the world's false, false intimacy or uh, the Satan's lies. And so I think these go together quite well. And when we see God wanting us to deal with sin, it's not a restriction or he's trying to take away our fun 
like Billy Joel would say, you know, he'd rather laugh with the sinners and cry with the saints. The sinners have much more fun. That 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 kind of mentality that God's trying to restrict us. No, we avoid sin, so we're free to love. Mm. We experience true love, true intimacy. We experience eternal joy, as David talks about in the Psalms. And so I think uh, any effort to have a loving fellowship needs to have a component where we deal with purity because it the shame the isolation that comes are all things that destroy loving relationships and obviously in marriages when people can be in the open in the light can share emotion um their level of acceptance that happens when couples are partners in purity it just increases you know several fold and that leads to deeper love because where there's acceptance um that's a a real crucial part of a loving relationship so i think that i i'm thrilled at your theme i'm thrilled at your theme and i I hope that this can contribute to furthering that theme and understanding that there's a connection here and that it it, we deal with sin not because it's yucky or, or bad or 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 disgusting um no we see it as no, these are things that God is trying to protect us from because these are things that will destroy relationships or destroy the love that he wants us to abound in and that will ultimately bring us um, a blameless life and actually a life that it says you'll be able to a discerning life. Mm. Uh, I love that idea that if we have knowledge and depth of insight, people know us, they can really help us. Mm. They can know us enough to help yeah. us make good decisions and show us where we're possibly going astray that culture of uh, discipleship can be restored in a beautiful way because now we have the depth of relationship that allows us to to see things in each other and again help us help us prevent us from going down wrong roads yeah i love that so much because you're you're bringing this conversation to something so much more than don't touch yourself Mm -hmm. like this is this is this is everything this is Mm -hmm. love this is you know God's view of sin and repentance and righteousness and connection. And it's such, it's so much more of a beautiful picture than I, I grew up going to church. And, and the, the idea was like, please God, let me go to church and not feel guilty mm-hmm. about having looked at pornography or masturbate me and my friends, in the team ministry, we put um rubber bands around our wrists. And the idea was that if during the week, if you were tempted, you flick yourself with it. And if you gave in, you had to take it off so mm. that everybody oh. knew that you didn't. So it was oh. a shame component as well. Oh, so like, wow. but trying to like stop it mm. with mm. pain. And mm. so the the whole idea of, is that that purity became like it, it only, please God, let me not be in trouble for mm. this, rather than going towards mm. something so beautiful, something that's so like hopeful, loving. Right. That's what I want. Positive so, purity. Yep. Seeing God ministry. Uh, uh, that's the way we like to see that nice. um, yeah. you know if we don't we have to change the name uh you know something other than purity restored uh we'll try to do something that somehow gets the message in there that this is about seeing god and when you see him we're going to love him more mm-hmm. you know satan in this if you look at it as a war uh the first thing you do in the war is you try to knock out the enemy's radar you try to knock out their eyes they can't see yeah and that's what Satan does. He's trying to knock out our vision of God so then he can take advantage of us. Because if we see God clearly, how can we not love him? Mm, how can we not yeah. serve him? How can we not want to be with him? True. And so it's no wonder 
he attacks our purity because if he can hide God from our vision, then he's got an extremely good opportunity to deceive us and lead us astray. Yeah, that is such a powerful illustration. So much good things have been shared. So grateful for our listeners to be able to chew on this. So all of this is wonderful. All of this is great. You've obviously given some great thought to this and some uh, very deep thought to this. Speak to the person who is struggling, who's having a hard time right now in the middle of temptation, in the middle of, of the fight. What are some of the things, the practicals that you have done in your own life, um, the boundaries perhaps that you've mm-hmm. set up, or even just the positive daily things that you do? I know that you know, listening to your workshop earlier, you've talked about the role of gratitude in your mm-hmm. life. And, but what are some of those things that people can take with them practically? Uh, on a day-to-day basis that they can start implementing now. Yeah, real simply, and again, uh, buy the book, uh, you know, uh, for the journey. That's the nice first thing the first thing they're going to do is get the book. Yeah. And if they're married, get the book. Uh, go through that, and then go through Grace Calls together, and it'll revolutionize um, uh, your marriage. But then, of course, walk in the light, um, you know, the light, and find a fellowship of people in the light that will love and affirm you. Um, learn, read, learn about why. Understand where this comes from, what the drivers are, what, what, it's, what the real issues are, what's underneath the, the surface that's driving this. And that means uh, getting a counselor, if it means, whatever it means, ask, asking the Holy Spirit. Um, he, that's what he does, the Holy Spirit, that's his job. He, he's there to help us become holy. Mm-hmm. And so uh, he is the ultimate counselor, guru, and beg the Holy Spirit to, to show you your path. And as David yeah. calls it a path of purity, understand it's a process, it's a path, and it's its path where the Holy Spirit is the ultimate guide, uh, guru, counselor, yeah. and look for his guidance um, in all these areas. And then um, he'll lead you and he'll guide you to setting boundaries and, and to the things you need. But those are some basics. And um, but I think finding a fellowship of people, getting the light, finding fellowship, reading and learning, and ultimately crying out to the Holy Spirit would be where I'd start. Yeah, appreciate that. Well, Dave, thank you so much for uh, taking this time with us, for yes, speaking to us. You, There's so many great nuggets of wisdom in this. If, you, uh, if you're out there and you're like, oh, I want to read that book, uh, you can go to purityrestored.com mm-hmm. and you can find all things Dave and Robin Widener there, the books, resources, uh, CDs, I think as well, and uh, contact information that would be on there if mm-hmm. they want to get a hold of you. Yes, we also do coaching for some people that feel like they're at a point where they need someone to really walk with them through this journey and need some extra help. Uh, we, it's part of our ministry and part of how we support ourselves is through individual and couples coaching. Mm, well, that sounds awesome. Coaching, resources, you can support the ministry there, purityrestored.com. Thank you again so much, Dave. We really appreciate it. Thanks to all of you for listening. We'll check you next time.